Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Looking for the perfect First Communion, Confirmation, or RCIA gift? Consider a beautiful, heirloom-quality, made-in-Italy rosary from Ghirelli. A Ghirelli rosary will be prayed with and cherished forever, guaranteed. Shop Ghirelli today. That's G-H-I-R-E-L-L-I dot com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon it. If I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. Hi, this is Alexis Walkenstein. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love. Today's guest is coming to you from the heartland, and her name is Bonnie Engstrom. Bonnie is a popular blogger and speaker. She loves the Blessed Trinity, celebrating the liturgical year in her domestic church, baking, and masterpiece theater. Bonnie and her husband live with their seven children in central Illinois, and her son's alleged miraculous healing through the intercession of Venerable Fulton Sheen, Bishop Sheen, was submitted to the Vatican for Sheen's beatification. You can find Bonnie on Instagram at Bonnie Engstrom and on her blog called A Knotted Life. Bonnie, it's so great to have you on Mary's Touch today. Thank you so much. I am delighted to be with you. I feel like we know each other so well just because of the virtual world that we all swim in these days. And I love following all of your family life and your humor. And I think around the time when I met you was in Peoria, and we were celebrating Fulton Sheen's advancement in the cause for sainthood to venerable. I mean, that was almost what, six or seven years ago. So it's been a long time, but I have been watching you and all your moves across the country, (laughs) and I've been living vicariously through you when you're at the gym and you're drinking (laughs) delicious-looking drinks and stuff like that, and I'm, like, taking a nap on my sofa surrounded by my children. (laughs) I'm like, oh, live it up! Live it up for me. Oh, my gosh. I want your, I want the seven children. I want to be surrounded with seven children, and you want to be at the gym. I love it. (laughs) Can we trade? Maybe we could do, we could do like a Cameron Diaz house swap or something. That would be kind of fun. Oh, my gosh. And you have um, this blog that I think is so awesome, A Knotted Life. Of course, our show is dedicated to Our Lady. 
But I want to just kind of set it up because you don't just start praying to Fulton Sheen for a miracle in the middle of a crisis and not have some serious heavy-duty faith in there. And you are a woman of God. You're young, and you you have this beautiful life of faith, a testimony of a, a deep, deep family life. Where did it all begin for you, and how has Our Lady just enveloped you in this journey? I mean, I am a cradle Catholic, so my mom took us to Mass every Sunday. She read us the Bible at night as part of our story time. So really, you know, my faith was formed in my home by my mother. And it was when I was in college that I really took ownership of my faith, and I saw a lot of my peers have a really deep devotion to Mary. That was something that was not present in my home life. We didn't pray the rosary or anything like that. Um, My mom had a lot of respect for the Eucharist and for Sunday Mass, but not really a a devotion to Mary. So I would say those seeds were planted when I was a college student. Mm. And it was something that as I became a mother, I identified with Mary more and more and more. And it's, it's actually to the point now where I have an icon of her that hangs in my hallway right across the hall from my toddler's bedroom door. And every time I come out of his bedroom after laying him down, He's a a toddler, so he's a handful. But I come out, I shut the door, and I just look at her and roll my eyes. And I know that she knows. (laughs) I know that she's just like, I know, sometimes it's tough, you know. (laughs) What are the age ranges of your kids? So I have seven kids, but my oldest is nine, and my youngest is nine months. Wow. That's a handful. Yeah. You know, they're all kind of still under my wing, and we just have this really joyful fun, love-filled house, but sometimes it's a lot of hard work, too. (laughs) And I'm wondering, I mean, I'm single still, and, you know, sometimes it can be really overwhelming to fit all the devotion in in the the life of a whole day. And I'm thinking in terms of you, you, Bonnie, are like my hero. You have seven kids, a husband, and you have this beautiful life of faith. How do you teach your kids that young the devotion of the church, and in particular, that extra devotion. I like to always say Mary's like that, you know, interest in the bank that we don't always cash in on, you know, but she's there. And how do you add that into the mix when it's chaotic, it's crazy, someone's always needing something, and you're just the caretaker of everybody? How do you shepherd that? Well, for me, the most important thing I have done is I have scattered religious art throughout my home. And there is an image of Mary and Christ in every room of our house. Because there's just times when you need another adult to talk to, you know? <laughs> yes. And and so I can catch Mary's eye in a painting or a statue or whatever, and I just don't feel so alone. And I can, you know, just like I was saying, when I, I close that bedroom door, I look at her in the icon and I think, oh, my goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that's how I connect with her. I have little a little... Um, statue of Our Lady Endure of Knots that sits on my window ledge right in front of my kitchen sink. And so a lot of times when I'm washing the dishes, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking and I'm praying and and just kind of, um, you know, meditating on her life with Christ at home when she was taking care of him. And that's how I have done it. And, And then even with passing that on to my kids, so if they see like our family picture on our living room wall and their cousin's and their grandparents, and then the Holy Family, like it just makes this normal thing of whether our our loved ones are in heaven or on earth, we're all related, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know? And so right. I think that has really reinforced the teachings of the Church about the Holy Family, our Blessed Mother, the communion of saints, all of those things. 
That's beautiful. It's like a visual reinforcement yes. of the things not seen, you know? Yes. Um, and that's so important. And I just had somebody on the show who was talking about, we were talking about how the Catholic Church is so sensual and sensory. And, you know, we don't worship statues, but we have these visual, artistic, beautiful reminders to point us to the heavenly realities that we are part of this body of Christ. And, and Mary and Jesus are in our midst, whether we can see them or not. Um, you talked about Our Lady Undoer of Knots. I have a, a, a huge devotion to Our Lady under the title of Undoer of Knots. And I didn't know that you did until you were like, yeah, hello, a knotted life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's so clever how you created this this language for your blog. Tell us a little bit about your devotion to Our Lady Undoer of Knots and then hence a knotted life and what you aim to do to bring others into um, this devotion. So, um For me, it really started with a line from St. Paul where he says that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where that is. I know St. Paul says it in one of his letters. And I've always loved that when it comes to my vocation. Mm -hmm. My vocation is me working out my salvation with fear and trembling. You know, that's what he's talking about. And I had, I always had this image of someone untying knots the same way that we would be working out ourselves. I don't, I don't know. For some reason, that was the mental image that always correlated with that passage. And so the first time I saw that image of Mary untying the knots and the ribbons, I was like, oh, yes. Mm. This is what it is. This is Mary helping me Mm. to untie all of these knots to work out my salvation so that I can be holy as I am called to be. And um, that was really where it all came from to me, for me. And then, of course, as I learned about, you know, the history of that painting and the devotion and how she saved that marriage for that family, Mm. um, it just really reinforced kind of what I already felt in that connection of Mary is helping me in my salvation in my, or in working out my salvation through my vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's really walking beside me as wife and mother. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, it came from for me. And, you know, there's that expression, you tie the knot when you get married. And so right. this is my life with that knot firmly tied in my marriage. But as I'm working out my, my salvation through my vocation, with Mary alongside me. That's kind of how they all tie together for me. I didn't know a lot about this devotion. I was in Florida working for a bishop, and I got this huge shipment of Spanish prayer cards to Our Lady Undoer of Knots. I had no idea what the prayer was. I just saw the image and it was beautiful and it struck me, but I was kind of, I kind of like shoved the box aside. And then later I was back in Boston and these, you know, a couple of different people said to me, oh, you should really pray this novena to Our Lady Andrew of Nods. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the novena queen. I don't need another novena. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then it was like the third time uh, my spiritual director said, I, we want you to pray to Our Lady Andrew of Nods for the specific thing and um, pray it in this way. And I knew that that was like the voice of God because it was like one time, two time, three time. And I prayed the novena for the first time and miraculous things happened. And it was the same year that the Holy Father, I believe, had taken the papacy. And he had talked in the first year of his papacy about the efficacy of Our Lady Undoer of Knots and how she's a, a true devotion for our time because we really tie ourselves up with so many issues, with our sin, with our disobedience. And it's it's Mary who is the counterstrike against Eve's disobedience in the garden and really helping us to become set free, to be the people that God wants us to be. So I try to tell as many people as possible about this devotion because I think it's it's so simple and yet so profound. 
down to that. Every time I have sat down to pray the novena for my specific intention, God is showing me, yes, I hear what you're saying, Bonnie, but this is what you need to work on. Mm. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) Where I think I'm praying it for something else, but then God is like, the thing you really need to untie is this issue right here. Mm. Has that ever happened? Yeah, we were praying as a family. You know, one of the instructions we had was, oh, you're supposed to pray it with your family. And I was like, "Mm, some people might do it, some people might not. And Mm -hmm. God was doing some major deliverance. I mean, it really is an unbelievable novena. It incorporates the act of contrition. It incorporates Mm -hmm. the Holy Rosary. And these are things that that really are deliverance. You know, apart from the Mass, the Rosary is the most powerful prayer we can pray. And we're putting our life into her hands. And, and we're also repenting for things that where we've fallen short. And not only where we've fallen short, but the generations above us. So we're standing yes. in the gap to make a correction. So it's it's just super profound. Yeah, I love it. God loves you, Bonnie. I'm telling you, you're an anointed <laughs> woman. And when we met, September 16th, 2010 was a profound moment. Your son, James Fulton, was delivered at home, stillborn. Yes. CPR was administered. 911 was called. James was taken to the hospital, and after 61 minutes without a pulse, as the doctors were prepared to call the time of death, your son came back to life. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Bonnie Engstrom from A Knotted Life, beautiful Catholic mother, wife, she's going to share her story about what God did for her to raise her son from the dead. We'll be right back. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture, offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here is Texas State Deputy Douglas Oldmixon. A current executive order constrains the freedom of certain entities that contract with the federal government in terms of hiring staff. For example, If you are a religiously-based entity that does business with the federal government and your faith supports traditional marriage or supports the church's teachings on same-sex relations, this executive order deprives you of the right to participate in such federally funded services. Many social services, including adoption, homeless shelters, immigration, and refugee settlement, are provided by explicitly Christian entities. As Catholics and as Knights of Columbus, we urge the reversal of this executive order. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at kfc.org. That's kofc.org. And we're back. This is Alexis Walkenstein. You're listening to Mary's Touch. And my very special guest today is Bonnie Engstrom. She's a blogger, a speaker, a wife, a mother. She's in the heartland in central Illinois. And uh, she's been sharing about her life of faith. She's been sharing about her devotion to Mary, um, her devotion to Our Lady Endure of Knots, and how she lives her faith out in the domestic church, in the home in which she lives and where she cares for her children. She's a wonderful role model, and she has some great, just simple anecdotes about living a life of faith in a very simple yet profound way. 
In 2010, we were talking before the break about a miracle that happened for her and her family, what seemed to be a devastating event. On September 16, 2010, her son, James Fulton, was delivered at home, a stillborn, with CPR, 911, full-on drama. The child was transported to the hospital, and after 61 minutes, 61 minutes, my friends, without a pulse, the doctors were ready to call a time of death. Bonnie's son, James Fulton, came back to life. The doctors said that there would be massive organ damage from the lack of oxygen, which meant that he could die very soon. When he didn't, they weren't sure if he'd be a vegetable. And when it was clear he wouldn't be dependent on machines, they warned that he'd be severely disabled. But this is our faith, everybody. This is a miracle of God. Bonnie, share what happened that day. Share about James Fulton. Share about who you called on for intercession and what happened on that day. So, um... According to the church, it's still an alleged miracle. I do want to state that for the record. I believe it's a miracle. I know you believe it's a miracle, but according to the church, it's still an alleged miracle. But um, for me, that miracle really started months before James's birthday, because months before James's birthday, Travis, my husband, and I had decided that the little baby in our in my womb, if he was a boy, we would name him James Fulton. And as soon as we decided that, I began asking Fulton Sheen to pray for my child and to walk with my baby through his entire life. Mm. And so for me, that intercession really began like three to four months before James was even born. And because of that, I had I had spent every day, you know, asking Fulton Sheen to join me in prayer for my baby. And so in that moment when I was, you know, we had a planned home birth and everything was beautiful. I mean, it felt like just this incredibly holy, powerful, prayerful moment. It felt like, you know, as I was laboring in my bedroom at home, it, I, I don't know, it was just amazing. It felt like we were on the cusp of something great. It was so powerful. And it was unlike all of my other birth experiences. And I don't just say that because of what, of what happened later. Like, really, it was really beautiful. And so when James was born and was motionless and was not breathing and was blue, we just didn't know. I mean, like, the rug had just been totally pulled out from mm. under our feet because this was not where we thought we were going, you know. Mm. And um, my midwife tried to find a pulse, could not find a pulse. She started CPR. My husband grabbed my cup of water that I had been sipping on all through the labor and um, did an emergency baptism. Mm. So, you know, when we, when Travis and I pick out the names for our kids, we pick them out knowing that every time we choose a saint's name for our children, we are invoking that saint yes. when we speak our child's name, you know? So even in the baptism of James Fulton, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Travis was, was invoking Fulton Sheen to pray for our son, even mm -hmm. in that moment, you know? And we were relying on the graces of baptism to, um, to save our son. In a, in a very literal, eternal way to save our son. And and then again, because of the months that I had spent asking Fulton Sheen to pray with me for my son, in that moment when I was just shutting down, I was going into a state of shock. I didn't know what was happening. The only mm -hmm. thing that I remember doing is sitting on my bedroom floor and saying Fulton Sheen's name over and over and over again. Fulton mm. Sheen, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen. And, you know, I really think it was just kind of my way of, like, calling out to this person who I knew would help me. And I believe he did. I believe that he prayed for my son in a way that I had no 
I didn't know the words to say. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was needed. But Fulton Sheen, from the perspective of heaven and eternity, he could he could intercede for my son in a way that I just could not, you know. So that was the the moment. And just to let our audience know, Bishop Fulton Sheen lived in an era that is an era of our parents' generation. Um, we're more like the JP2 kids. Fulton Sheen is up for sainthood. He died in 1979. And you need miracles to be declared a saint. And this was a a real manifestation. And yes, we say alleged because the Vatican is still making their inquiry. But Bonnie, 61 minutes, the doctors, I mean, they they had to say this defies all logic, all explanation. Yes. I mean, when I have talked to medical professionals about it, there's two reactions. And the first reaction is they will say, oh, well, he must have had a heartbeat. You guys just couldn't tell, <laughs> you know? And so then mm-hmm. I say, well, he was on a heart monitor for 45 minutes. Does a heart monitor not tell you a heartbeat, you know? And so then they say, well, he must have gotten this exceptional CPR. <laughs> and right. it's like, okay, well, maybe he did get exceptional CPR. Do you know someone else who got exceptional CPR for over an hour? And at the age, you know, seven years later, they are pretty much completely. I mean, he's a normal boy. There's nothing wrong with him, by the way, right? Let's tell our audience that. What the yes, doctor said, there would be brain damage and all kinds of problems. No brain damage, no problem. Right. James has really bad allergies. He can't have ice cream because he's allergic to dairy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he has a speech issue that with speech therapy and time, he'll grow out of. Honestly, he does have a little bit of trouble in school, but so do a lot of other boys and girls. And none of them were dead for an hour. Right, you know, so right. I feel completely comfortable saying he's a normal boy. My husband, who's a teacher, feels completely comfortable saying he's a normal boy mm. because he is. I mean, the kid, he loves chicken nuggets. He loves <laughs> um, riding his bike and he loves Legos and trains and Star Wars and just everything that a normal kid would do and be. And so he's healthy and happy and such a gift. What were you thinking when this happened after 61 minutes and then there's a heartbeat and there's a pulse and, and there's breath? What were you thinking as a mom at that point? Well, when he came back to life, I was, by this time we had both been transported to the hospital and I was in the labor and delivery section of the hospital. So I did not know what was going on. Mm. My husband was in the emergency department and he was the one who was standing in the hallway when the doctors came out. And it, I believe it was like, you know, four men, and they all had tears in their eyes. And they said to him, I'm sorry, Mr. Engstrom. We, you know, we did everything we could. Your son's heart is beating again. And then there was just this gigantic pause where they were trying to say without saying, his heart is beating again, but he's, go- you know, he's not going to make it. Mm. You know, they, had the time to- they had doubt. They had doubt. Mm-hmm. Yes, because, I mean, everything that they knew, everything that medicine tells us, you don't go that long. And they didn't even know it had been an hour. They had been working on him for 20 minutes. Mm. And they spent 20 minutes, and they thought he's going to have massive organ failure. He's going to die again. And so when when they realized it had been 61 minutes, I mean, people were just speechless, mm-hmm. speechless. And have you shared your testimony with the Vatican? You, you're you in that process, or is that process wrapped up? There was a tribunal, and 
official church investigation into James's miracle. That was several years ago. Mm-hmm. And during that, we gave all of our witness testimony. We handed over medical records for James, all that kind of stuff. And so all of that is sitting over in Rome <laughs> with the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but on our side, we're kind of done with that, and we're just waiting on the cause. That's in God's hands, really, at this time. Amen. Yeah. How old is James now? He's probably about seven seven years old. Yeah. So he's old enough to know that he had a special arrival <laughs> and yes. uh, an adversity in that arrival. He Does he know his story? He does. And all of our kids know the story, but I don't really know if any of them really understand it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. James was born dead. And Jesus brought him back to life is basically the story my kids will tell you, Mm. you know, and that's a beautiful story. (laughs) It is. It's very simple. You know, in my understanding and and growing in uh, relationship with Fulton Sheen and and his family and, and the people that really knew him working on the cause, they they talk about how he had such an affinity for for the unborn for mothers, um, for for children in distress. And it's just so fitting to me. And, you know, we will wait for the Vatican to make their official declaration, but we all know what a miracle is. We know that this is something that is impossible that God did through the collaboration of of a venerable, you know, of, of someone on the way to sainthood to give glory to God. And we know that it's just just like Fulton Sheen to say, yeah, I'm going to swoop into the heartland, to the to the area where I f- I'm from, to that farm yeah. area, and I I've got my eyes on the sparrow like Jesus on Bonnie and on her baby, and um, I think it's amazing, and I think it's a testimony. I just want to say to our audience, you know, we have these intercessors in heaven, we have saints and venerables, servants of God, blesseds who are on the way to sainthood, who are available to us in the body of Christ for the for the state in which we live, for the for the life that we're called to, to be intercessors for us. And they all have a different charism. And, and Venerable Fulton J. Sheen, especially now for the church, the domestic church, for the church of priests and religious, he is so powerful of an intercessor, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's wonderful. He is. He is. And um, we look forward to the cause and the movement of the cause picking up some steam again. And um, what are some of final words that you have, Bonnie, for, for moms especially who might feel a little isolated in their caretaking at home? How to connect, how to, how to you know, bring uh, the faith alive for their family and for themselves? Any final words? Oh, golly. I, I guess I would just want to say you're not alone and you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes it feels like you're not, but, you know, God God has not abandoned you, and there, um, there's a whole church that loves you. And so just know that you're not doing a bad job. You're doing a great job, and you are enough. That's what I would want to say. And how can people stay in touch with you with A Knotted Life? Yes. If they come to my blog, it's um, www.anottedlife.com. And I'm on Instagram at Bonnie Engstrom. Yeah, and that Insta story, it's like an addiction that I have. You have some funny Insta stories, Bonnie. Thank you. (laughs) How long have you been doing the Insta story, girl? It's a lot of fun. I love it. It is a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. There's so much. uh, I could go on and on with you on so many different topics. Thank you again. Yes, thank you for having me. 
My name is Alexis Walkenstein. You've been listening to Mary's Touch. I want to share with you some news to get you excited about some Easter presents. I have a new book that's coming out called Ex Libris Fulton J. Sheen. It's being published by Pauline Media, the media nuns. And if you're not connected with them, you must be connected with them. You can get the book at pauline.org. That's pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E dot org or at Amazon. You can also get on the Pauline Media blog and um, follow me for a five-week series called Lift Up Your Heart, where I'll be sharing some behind-the-scenes anecdotes about the book. I hope you'll pick it up and get one for a friend. It's a wonderful Easter present or a present just for any day. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining on Mary's Touch. We are praying for you, our audience. Follow us at Mary's Touch. God love you. God bless you. This program is produced by Mary's Touch a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website at marystouch.org. Sometimes all it takes is a spark. The spark becomes a flame. It transforms everything around it. From the creators of the case for Christ. All these years, this church has been here. Now it's the crime scene. The church has brought nothing but controversy to the school for years. When we are divided, we cannot respond to hate with more hate. You don't get to play innocent. You did this! We must remember what we stand for. It's okay to be broken, Dave. It means God's still shaping you. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living. In the darkness, we are called to be the light. How do you define truth exactly? I believe truth is a person. This Easter, as painful and confusing as all of this is, it just might be exactly where God wants you right now. God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness, starring David A.R. White and John Corbett. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters March 30th. Go to godsnotdead.com. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at kaneford.com.